hormone harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. That means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So, Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any women with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those with those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, no desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And the biggest benefit feeling like myself again. And that's what women mention over and over in the reviews. There are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use our code, which is the acronym of the podcast, T-S-N-O-T-Y-A-W at checkout. That's the podcast acronym at checkout at happymammoth.com calling all memoirists. I'm so excited to let you know that I've put together an incredible all about memoir lineup for Saturday the 11th of May from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time in which six amazing speakers guide you through everything you need to know to write a memoir that will sell. You'll get opportunities to ask questions of best-selling memoirists while also standing a chance to have your query letter live critiqued during the webinar. To see the awesome lineup and to register, go to biancamaray.com. There's an early bird promotion for the first 50 delegates who sign up. Come and join us and get your memoir groove on. Hi there and welcome to my show, The Shift No One Tells You About Writing. I'm your host, Bianca Murray. I'd like to begin today's episode by thanking all of you for listening to the podcast and for all the wonderful feedback that I've had about it. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe and leave a review if you can and spread the word to all the writers that you know. Today's episode has got two sets of guests who write together in writing partnerships. The first guests have been best friends for over 30 years. They're the co-authors of seven novels, including The Two Lila Bennets, Girls' Night Out, The Year We Turned 40, The Status of All Things, and Your Perfect Life. Their suspense novel, The Good Widow, was an Amazon Charts bestseller. They also host the popular podcast, We Fight So You Don't Have To, and are monthly on-air contributors on their local news with Liz and Lisa's book club. It's my pleasure to welcome Liz Fenton and Lisa Steinke. I love following you both on Instagram. The two of you look like you have so much fun together and it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're selling books or writing books or just being together or at each other's <laughs> weddings or whatever. You you give me serious envy and you make me want to rush out and find my bosom writing pal. <laughs> and 
You and know. I know that this is not just, you know, for social media. I know that this is real. So could you tell us how this amazing writing partnership started? We met in high school, so not very long ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding. Um, we met in high school and just connected. We were actually just talking about this this morning because Liz's daughter just started a new high school. And I was remembering when I started, because I started new to the high school as well. And Liz was in the group that I initially met and so I just, from then on, we were best friends and we went to the same college together and rushed the same sorority and seemed to do all the same things. And so we've been together ever since, been like 34 years or something like that now. That's amazing. And hopefully Liz's daughter finds a similar group herself so that one day she could look back on it as fondly as you're reminiscing now. That's the hope for her. It's actually the same high school too. Right. It's so weird to drop her off at like where we went to high school and it looks exactly the same. It's creepy. Were you both writers to begin with? Because most writers that I speak to started off writing as children. They loved words. They loved stories as children. That's the commonality. And they kind of scribbled in journals or they wrote really bad poetry in high school and things like that. Were you both separately writers or was this something that happened together? So we both, I think one of the reasons that we ended up becoming close is we both love to write and to read. I know um, on our, we have a podcast as well. And I know on the last time we were going through our old journals and Lisa read some of her bad poetry that she had uh, in the journal. But yeah, I think it's something that we bonded over, um, but we weren't, you know, these huge writers. I mean, we love to write. We love to read. We went to college. Um, we had a class together where we had to write like a one act play together. And then I think that kind of sparked the idea, like, could we do this together? Which is so weird. It sparked that idea because we almost killed each other. Like we wrote it on a, had an IBM or like a brother, like word processor, not to age us. <laughs> and we literally like almost killed each other. And, then, and this, I think, really defines our friendship. But that was a pretty terrible experience. And then we're like, let's write a book together. Like I just... <laughs> are and I it, we're really weird like that but it wasn't until about 10 years after college graduation that that we began seriously writing together and again how does that happen because I think of myself I I have some wonderful friends who I love dearly but like I won't even share my fries with them and you know, <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm Joey from friends it's like I will buy you a plate of fries but don't eat the damn fries off of my plate in the same way oh good I, I'm glad yeah. to know because it gives the impression that you kind of share everything. And so I think about how territorial I am over my work when I write it and then I'm nervous to share it with my writing group and they critique it. And then I sit there muttering darkly about all the changes they made. So how do you do that with somebody else? How do you take this very, very creative process and meld it into something that's really functional, clearly efficient, and that works for the both of you? I wish I could tell you that we actually had a plan before we started this, but I think the reason we've made it this far is that we didn't. I mean, we just jumped in, didn't really look where we were jumping and just figured it out along the way. And maybe that was because we had been friends for so long, or maybe that's just how we came together to do it. But it really worked really well for us. And I do think our friendship has a lot to do with how we're able to write together, meaning how we're able to 
sort of be a chameleon and take on the other one's narrative if she were to start, just because we've known each other so long. But yeah, we didn't plan it at all. And we, uh, a few books ago, had sort of a, you know, we, everything kind of came to a head because we hadn't planned it. And that was when we really sat down and said, okay, how do we do this? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What's your personality? What's my personality? And from there, we've been a lot stronger. And I imagine that communication must be key because I just think of normal friendships and kind of passive aggressive issues that can arise Mm -hmm. if you don't communicate when you're irritated with somebody. So in terms of that, what are each of your strengths? And how do you play to them? Well, we're really different. And I think like it's probably our best and worst attribute as a writing team. So I think like where I'm strong, like she's weak and vice versa. So I'm definitely more big picture. And, you know, I think Lisa's definitely more detailed oriented. And so I think, and I think that, you know, when we're writing, um, Lisa's really good at keeping us on track with like our structure and, you know, I'm, I'm a bleeding heart. So I would say, and I think Lisa would agree, like the bleeding heart moments, I usually will, you know, tap in there. So Mm -hmm. I think, but I think one of the reasons or one of the lessons that we learned over the years because we're both really type A, is rather than be defensive about what we're not good at, be embrace what the other person is good at that you're not good at. And I do think because of our egos as humans and particularly as writers, I think it took us some time to get to that place where I'm like, you know what, it's okay if I'm not detailed, like I'm not going to be defensive about that. Because, you know, there's things that I'm good at, you know, right, Lise, would you agree? Mm -hmm. I think that was a very well said, Liz. One of your one of your strengths is saying things well. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's so unusual for a writer. So, Lisa, what are your strengths? Do you feel? I mean, I agree with her. Uh, I'm very detail oriented, and the way that that works well for our team is she has come up with a lot of our ideas for the books we've written, and uh, she's much better at that than I am. Like. The ideas will just pop in her head, whereas I have to literally sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and like think of ideas. And so when she comes to me with an idea, I think where I'm good is I can think about, okay, how are we going to execute this idea? Like what I break it down like to the characters and because I think I'm just better at seeing the story in that way. So that's worked really well for us, I would say. And in terms of weaknesses, so for me as a writer, I excel at dialogue. As I've told my listeners before, it's because I love eavesdropping. I'm a terrible spy and that helps a lot with, with dialogue. Things that I was not good at at all in the beginning with things like writing scenery, writing description, because those are things I don't care about when I'm reading. I kind of just gloss over that. Mm -hmm. So what are each of your weaknesses? I mean, I would say the descriptions would be a weakness of mine, but I I do think, I think we both are good with dialogue. I think think it's scenario specific. I think there's certain like scenarios I'm better like at dialogue. You mentioned, you mentioned the bleeding heart thing. Like if there's a scene where somebody's dying or something, she's really good at that. Whereas I think I have a strength in the more like suspenseful scenes that we've written in some of our books, like someone Absolutely. like coming after you. And I don't know where I get that from. No one's come after me with a knife. No one's like, 
thank God. But yeah, so that helps, you know, because when you're writing a book and a lot of different things happen, to have another person be able to take on that section of the story really works well for us. It's another thing I'm envious of because there will be scenes as a writer that you sit down and you plot your novel and you realize that there's this big scene coming up and it's one that you're terrible at. So if you're not good at the warm, fuzzy kind of kumbaya moments, you're like, ugh, I've got to write this whole emotional scene and so you put it off. And if you're bad at, you know, action-packed suspense, then you kind of also put that off. So I would love to get to a certain scene and go, ugh, I'm going to be terrible at this. Yeah, you do it. It's awesome. Yeah, I know, like, if I'm writing a suspenseful scene, like, I know Lisa's gonna go in and put a gloss on it. And I think she knows, you know, she's can be a little emotionally unavailable. So uh, sometimes this (laughs) I have to dig really deep, like, I have to have been personally gone through, I have to personally have gone through what the character is going through, or else it reads really flat. Like I'm trying to do what I think emotional people will do. Like, and, and, and you're not happy <laughs> at all. And I, I am definitely the sappier of us. But yeah, I mean, you know, in in our suspense novels, uh, The Good Widow and Girls Night Out and Lila Bennett. I mean, Lisa's touch on those scenes were really, really important. I, I have a hard time writing that. Like, it's really making your like heart beat. Like that is just very difficult for me to get that pace. And those are such different scenes. Getting readers to cry is one thing. Getting readers to kind of start biting their nails and shift around uncomfortably, that's a whole other talent um, over there. Did you know that 70% of all books are sold online via e-commerce? If you're an author wondering how you can get some of that market share, this is for you. Hi, I'm your co-host, Carly Waters, and I'm here to tell you how writers can work on their author brand to build an audience and convert those followers into book buyers. Do you ever wonder why so many authors publish their books and later say they didn't sell as many copies as they wanted? It happens over and over and it's all over social media. Authors really think it's a them problem, but not always. They really just weren't shown the way. And I don't want you guys to launch a book and show up at book events and have two people in the chairs. I have helped clients launch books to the bestseller list for over 15 years. I have now built a six module, 10 hour course with all my knowledge. And that will give you the craft and book business information that you won't find anywhere else. And there's an app. Over 100 of you have already joined my new course. And writer Siobhan Moore said, I'm halfway through the course and grieving that I didn't have this information sooner. There's really nowhere else to find it. Worth every penny. Thank you, Siobhan. If you want all that info and everything that will change the course of your writing career, go to carlywaters.com slash course to learn more and use discount code POD15 for the month of April at checkout. That's POD, P-O-D 15 at checkout over at carlywaters.com slash course. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or The interiority here needs work, and that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is 
different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. So Lisa, again, back to a friend's reference, you kind of make me think of Chandler, who's dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I think. So in terms of practicalities, when you begin a novel, do you two get together because you don't live far away from each other? Do you get together and start plotting it out? Do you brainstorm, etc., or do you do most of it kind of via email or online, chatting with each other via Zoom? How, how does the process work and has that changed with COVID? We began when we both lived in Southern California. And even then, we didn't get together a lot, but we, we got together a lot more than later. You know, at one point, we read through an entire book we had written out loud. Liz reminded me about that the other day. I cannot believe we did that. And I think I blocked it out because <laughs> she told me, I said, are you sure we did that? I think we were spending too much time together. And so then we kind of went the other way. And when I moved, we we definitely couldn't get together unless we planned a trip or I was coming out to California or she was coming to Illinois. So we learned to kind of do it all over email or phone. And now we're sort of in that place where we'll get might get together in the beginning of the book, but really most of it's done in our own separate worlds, even before COVID. I always like finding out a writer's process. And when it comes to two of you together, that synergy and the dynamic you have to me is, is even more fascinating. And I love how these days so many more writers are doing writing partnerships. I remember the first time I read a writing partnership. It was PJ Tracy. It was the mother-daughter duo who were writing the Monkey Wrench series together, uh, and they lived in different states, and they would kind of email backwards and forwards, and that seemed so weird to me. And now there's just more and more writing duos coming up. Is it not more complicated in terms of having agents, in terms of the admin and the behind-the-scenes things. Um, do you each have separate agents or are you both represented by one agent? How does that work? We we each have the same agent and we make the same money and it's just everything's sort of just divided down straight down the middle for us. I would say the one thing I have heard, I was just thinking when you were talking, is the writing duos I think that have written separately first and then come together they have a lot more challenges because they're used to doing things a certain way. And for us, we hadn't written solo before. And so we just kind of figured out our way. So I actually find it really amazing that some of these duos can come together and write after they've written separately. And then some of them even also write separately while they're writing together, which again, fascinates me and amazes me. That's so much talent to be able to do that. 
Thank you so much, Liz and Lisa, for joining us and for sharing such valuable insights with us. And now for our second lot of guests. Liv Constantine is the pen name of best-selling authors Lynn Constantine and Valerie Constantine. Their debut thriller, The Last Mrs. Parrish, was a Reese Witherspoon book club selection, a People magazine book of the week, a Target book club selection, and is in development for television. Their second book is The Last Time I Saw You, and their third book, The Wife Stalker, was published last year. Lynn and Valerie are national and international best-selling authors with books available in over 32 countries. Valerie and Lynn, could you give us some insight into how your writing partnership works? Computers and uh, technology has made it so easy to feel like you're in the same room. We speak every morning and we have our assignments. We have a word count that we uh, want to maintain daily or certainly weekly. And then we assign our scenes and we each write and we come back together at the end of the day, send each other what we've written and we edit each other's work. Um, and Lynn, I can move over to you and you can uh, elaborate if, if there's more to elaborate on. As Valerie said, we're like, Right now, we're in the in the beginnings of our um, fifth book, and so so we we ha- we kind of know here's the world that we're going to be in, and generally who our characters, and this is the major twist. But then a lot of time go back and forth about different aspects of the story, and you know, and even recently with the one that we're doing now, we kind of changed a major plot point, and so we play around with that with brainstorming and talking and thinking about it, and it can be anywhere from two to two to three weeks to six weeks, but again, on our time constraints. And then once we have a a solid idea of really where we're going, then we begin the writing and we don't plot. We we like to say we're we're not plotters and we're not pantsers, but we call each other ourselves planters because we kind of know where we think we're going to end up. We know the beginning, but anything can happen in between. And even the ending can change at times. So once we've done that sort of thing, then we assign each other scenes. And as Valerie said, we will we'll talk in the morning, we'll write, and then we usually talk again and you know trade what we're doing. So it'll kick off at eight, say it's Monday, eight in the morning and four o'clock, we'll trade our, our emails back and forth. And then from that point, it's usually an afternoon call because we'll spend the next day, we know what, what our assignments are. And a lot of times I'll write a scene and I'll write half of it. And, and then I'll email it to Valerie and say, do you want to finish this? And, you know, and vice versa, which is really helpful because there are times when you just kind of get stuck or it becomes stale and the other person can pick it up. And then there are other times where you don't know where to start. So it's great if you've got something that's already started and we just go on and on like that all the way through and we allow each other the freedom to diverge from what we've talked about. So if all of a sudden I'm writing a scene that we had had conceptualized to go one way and I'm inspired to take it in a different direction, I just go ahead and do it because I know that if I'm veering in the wrong direction, we can fix it in editing. And, you know, we'll talk about it. And I'll just say to Valerie, you know, I know we said this, but I really felt like the character was going that way. And and often, really more often than not, it ends up being fine. You know, the other person Mm -hmm. will say, you know that, yeah, okay, I can go along with that. And so it just goes on like that until we finish our first draft. And then we typically take a little time off and then we go through two or three renditions and, and drafting and changing before we hand it off off to our editor. Have you ever had like a moment where one of you have really dug in your heels and felt super strongly about something that the other one didn't really agree with? Because I think of me and I'm, I can be so stubborn. And sometimes, you know, I have a vision for something and my agent will go, could she not be this? Or could she rather be this? And I'm like, no, 
this is how she <laughs> is. And, you know, it's so silly because it's fiction, but as writers, sometimes no, I know no, that when yeah. I imagine something, it's so clear in my head. And I wonder how you can convey that to somebody else. Have you, have you ever had moments where you've really kind of been stubborn about something or not really? Or you're both just lovely people who never butt heads. We are lovely people. <laughs> I believe it. We you are, are deranged, sexy, lovely people. <laughs> well, uh, we had two times. I, I mean, think, we have we're... had a few. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, and I, you know, I think when we were had an idea and we kind of were like a little bit close-minded about it, but I think after you work with an editor, you learn to have to be flexible and to be open to that. And so now that we're we're approaching our fifth, actually really our sixth book, even more, because we had a couple that we put aside, we were in like seven books together. So at this point, we're both very open-minded. I mean, and and again, even though, as I said, this latest book thought we were going a certain way, and Valerie, we both kind of thought, well, we're not sure. And she said, I want to present you with a different thing. And maybe if it was our first book together, maybe I would have thought, oh, that isn't what we talked about. And I, but I just say to myself, right, just have an open mind. Like we both are on the, both on the same page that we want the best book. Right. And we want the most, you know, innovative and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So I think as long as you can go in with that and clear your mind of saying it has to be what I see of, then it just becomes easier. And we do, we talk it through. And certainly there are, you know, we'll have a difference of opinion. Well, no, I think she should be this or that. And then we'll, we'll just continue to discuss it until we come to an agreement. And so far, I think we both have been able to put our ego aside. Or, yeah. Um, and you, and you really have to when, when you're working with someone else. And I think, um, and we've, we've said this before, that if, we, if that were something that happened a lot, it wouldn't be fun anymore. And we really do have, we have a good time. We have a lot of fun writing together. And that, that would ruin it. So we, I don't think we would be on book number seven or whatever number we're on if that were happening frequently. Right. Yeah, I'm now on the lookout, man. I'm interviewing for, for my sidekick. It's really um, fun. Yeah, but I, I just think I'm too painful. I don't think I'm going to get a, a sidekick. But do you find that you are able to compartmentalize your role as writers who are writing together as your career and then you being sisters? Do you find it bleeds into each other? Has it affected your relationship as sisters? Made it better? Made it worse? No. I think not at all. I, I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it's affected it negatively in any way. And certainly, no. it doesn't bleed into. I mean, one is this is he, writing is here. The sisterhood is here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we can have a great time together and fun. And would you? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, we're very much business, but then all of a sudden. Right. Then I'll, then we'll like finish that. And then we'll just say, okay, so what's going on? And then we just switch, right. you know, talk for 20 right. minutes about just yeah. whatever yeah. what's happening in our lives and that right. kind of thing. And it, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we both have agreed that our sister relationship is the most important thing. And so we would not, if it, you know, hopefully that will never happen right. because, you know, we've been best friends for uh, forever and we're not right. about to let anything jeopardize that. And that's it for today's episode. If you have any questions about writing or publishing, please email me at theshitaboutwriting at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. I hope you'll join us for next week's show. In the meantime, keep at it. Remember, it just takes one yes. Calling all memoirists. I'm so excited to let you know that I've put together an incredible all about memoir lineup 
for Saturday the 11th of May from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, in which six amazing speakers guide you through everything you need to know to write a memoir that will sell. You'll get opportunities to ask questions of best-selling memoirists, while also standing a chance to have your query letter live critiqued during the webinar. To see the awesome lineup and to register, go to biancamaray.com. There's an early bird promotion for the first 50 delegates who sign up. Come and join us and get your memoir groove on. Calling all memoirists. I'm so excited to let you know that I've put together an incredible all about memoir lineup for Saturday the 11th of May from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, in which six amazing speakers guide you through everything you need to know to write a memoir that will sell. You'll get opportunities to ask questions of best-selling memoirists, while also standing a chance to have your query letter live critiqued during the webinar. To see the awesome lineup and to register, go to biancamaray.com. There's an early bird promotion for the first 50 delegates who sign up. Come and join us and get your memoir groove on.